Alright, so, um, this is the beginning of, uh, Ellis and I's, uh, podcast regarding Chelsea and, you know, general, uh, football endeavors, I guess. Do you have anything to say? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good to be here. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be, uh, interesting time. Yeah, it should be fun, because, you know, Ellis and I, uh, we're in this group chat together that, you know, all we do is talk Chelsea and, like, general uh football like memes and all that and i think it'd be fun if we just like you know spoke it <laughs> spoke it into fruition yeah. i guess so um yeah so we're both from new york so you know granted uh, you know we're not in london or anything but <laughs> yeah <laughs> um we thought we'd start generally just recapping on like how we thought the team did last season and um you know how how that plays into to uh this coming season for the 21-22 season um you know we we started the season with frank lampard and he was obviously sacked um halfway through the season um i generally i generally um began to uh kind of dislike lampard throughout the season i think you know Obviously, it's it's easy to easy to not like somebody you know when when um, when results aren't going your way, and I think you know we were losing to or you know we were underperforming, considering our squad potential, and so I just became increasingly frustrated with um, you know our team's performances. What about you, Alice? All right, so Alice's yeah. mic basically cut out and we couldn't figure it out for a second. All right, sorry. So we were talking Frank Lampard. And your opinion yeah, on him. So pretty much what I was saying is uh to start off the season, uh Chelsea were performing at a level that none of the other big name teams in the league were performing at. I mean, there are times where you see teams like City down near like the thirteenth place in the Prem. And that was a testament to how I think Lampard was able to coach this team. But I think that he quickly became like well over his head. Um and um, he, he developed the squad very well. Like he, this is where we see players like Mason Mount turn into like the star players on the team. Um, so I give him all the kudos for that, but I think that as the season goes on, you see these results. Like you lose 3-0 away to Arsenal. It's like you realize that Lampard was not the man for the job. And when you realize that and you see Lampard eventually get sacked, it's a sad day for the team, but it's also a great day because you see the, the arrival of Thomas Tuchel and he really was able to spearhead the effort and combine all the talent that Lampard created with his coaching style and really produce a winning team. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, you have to you have to give props to Frank. I mean, he finished he finished within the Champions League spot in the previous season, right? So that in itself is really good. But I think what's interesting is, um, well, you know, he was also, you know, he was given the transfer ban. So he yeah. really did have to develop the squad. And I think as an English legend, you know, I think nurturing the the english youth within the team like you said mason mount was was really good and you know as you see mason mount is an incredible player right now yes yeah, so you see um, players like callum hudson and doy mount uh even people like kurt zuma begin to like show like an emergence of like a real world-class player yeah that i've been seen before and but i think in that way because we were transfer banned i think we were put into a position as kind of being the underdogs right i think yeah. our squad was you know it was good but it's not you know nearly the level it's now and i think yeah. in that way frank lampard th thrived right so he was he was you know he was like 
we weren't really expected to finish within that top four, you know. It was kind no, of like I... a tenacity to get there. But I think as soon as, you know, we've we've gotten that Champions League spot and now it's, you know, now you have to be the best of these top four, top six teams. Yeah. He wasn't able to handle that pressure. And you see, you know, I just, you know, he's just not, maybe it was too soon, but I think just in my opinion, he wasn't ready to handle this, this winning, you know, within this top flight of like, of, of world clubs within like Champions League and, and you know, like top of the Prem. Yeah, so if you look at Chelsea and Lampard, you see a bunch of really nice results out there that make you gain a lot of faith for the season. But it's like the one-one draws and the one-no losses and the goals that you give up in the last minute to Wolves away that are like the defining moments of the season of Lampard season uh, managing the team. And I think that his ownership and I think not only that, but his uh, his style of play didn't particularly fit the squad as well as Tuchel's has. Yeah, I mean. I guess we can transition into Tuchel now. I mean, I love the man. <laughs> God, golly, I love the man. I yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of incredible. I I think probably he's had the most successful, you know, coming into a club mid-season I've yeah, ever seen. I mean, it's it's incredible yeah. the way he it's right off the bat we started playing incredibly. And I think in that way when we when you have such a what's when you have such a high-level squad, you really need that coach who knows how to handle all these high-level players yeah and i yeah and, so and, and yeah comes in from psg with uh the incredible depths of players they have there and coming to a team that has the raw talent but it's utterly unexperienced um i think that his arrival to the club uh was instrumental in how we see some of these players on their team now so how we see people like kai havertz begin to like come out of the shell a little bit um, see people like Timo Werner become like a more important part of the attack after really struggling to perform at any point in the season. So I think that his arrival was an influential and really key part uh, in Chelsea's success right immediately once he arrived at the club. Yeah, um, I think you know as well under Frank, many of the players were very individual, and I think Tuchel's Tuchel's system he brought really everybody into the system, and so. Yeah. There was really just this, you know, it was clear that Chelsea was playing as a team. And I think that really stood out, you know, with how many clean sheets we had. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think in a way it's kind of shown with the lack of goals we had. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, no, generally, right, we've won the Champions League and he's done it in less than a season, which is <laughs> mind boggling. Yeah, and we finished top four. It doesn't even matter if we won, but it's still, yeah. you know, oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember that game as well. It was we were playing Aston Villa and I was like freaking out. <laughs> and then Tottenham pulled the uh, the win over Leicester and I was Oh yeah, that was, I was a, thinking a I was thinking my uh, you know, <laughs> thinking my peers, everybody around me. I was like, "Oh my." Yeah. Um yeah, great moment when Tottenham saved Chelsea season. Yeah, Gareth Bale. <laughs> Gareth Bale of all people too. Yeah. All right. So I think we should move on to um, the Euros. Yeah, I mean, that was a really incredible tournament. I um, think, yeah, I think it may have been the most exciting Euros I've, I've ever seen. And um, <laughs> and while I haven't seen too many, believe me, I think <laughs> in history, it's it's one of the most influential as fans. I Watching the games from home, it was just incredible. I cannot stress how incredible it was to see the atmospheres 
yeah, that were created in each of the stadiums. Yeah, with this year's tournament, like the way, and not only like the fans, like these were incredible games. Like you see games going into extra time with underdogs pulling off these consecutive upsets after they have one of their, uh, their your best players go down, talking with Denmark and uh, Ericsson. Um, I mean, this tournament, like, if you weren't paying attention, if you weren't a big fan, I think watching this tournament could have made you a bigger fan of this of football just by just by like trying to stay engaged because every game in there there was no like really dull games once you got to a certain point in the tournament and i think that was really great for the sport yeah i keep seeing tutors like now I understand why football fans are so like you know yeah. you know so dedicated i think yeah it was incredible i it must have set some sort of record with the number of times it went to extra time Oh yeah, and, and I the, think the yeah, and all this crazy stuff. I think it's funny as well how, you know, Hungary really performed in terms of the group yeah. they were given. Obviously, you know, they were not going to make it out, but just <laughs> they the fact they pulled two draws from from two, what you might say are the best teams in the world, was incredible yeah. in my opinion. And I think if anything, it just it gives so many players a platform to demonstrate to the world that you know they are special. Like I think, especially, what a what a magnificent player Federico Chiesa is. Cause I watching oh, yeah. him, especially in the final. Oh my God, he <laughs> he he was just doing everything for the Italians pretty much the entire time. And you know, you could only just sit there and marvel. Yeah, I mean, just to go over the final, um, I think that that final game showed that Jordan Pickford has the talent to be a world class goalkeeper. I know that Pickford has been around for a while and he gets uh, gets a lot of flack for some stuff that he has and some issues he's had. But Jordan Pickford really proved himself as an elite goalkeeper who can be uh, trusted in a very, very important time for his country. And he was really impressive to me just in that final game of the, of the tournament. Yeah, he was very good. Um, that goal is really not his fault. Um, it was kind of like a scrappy goal. Um, but what was really impressive was him reading Jorginho. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. with that penalty, you really don't expect that ever. I think many people were, as soon yeah. as they saw Jorginho step up, they were like, "Oh, it's it's and already over." Yeah. I said it's over. Jorginho's gonna do I thought so too, and that was an incredible, yeah, that was an incredible mind game by him that pulled off, you know, at least a little bit further for England. But yeah. Donnarumma is incredible. I think right now he's probably the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, the way this guy played during the tournament. Uh, single-handedly i mean not not single-handedly but he was one of the biggest figures in italy going on and winning just being so strong at the back something that chelsea haven't always been the strongest with <laughs> keppa um yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but be, having someone like a strong figure in the back is so incredibly important to a team's success uh so i mean he was one of the the biggest driving figures behind this italy team for the euro tournament yeah and he was i mean I I forget. I don't think they conceded more than a goal ever in a game this entire tournament. Or for yeah, like yeah. the past like 30 games or something ridiculous. <laughs> They've gone 34 games unbeaten, which oh, is yeah, incredible. I, mean, I have to say they were they were probably the most the most interesting team to watch just how fluid they are on the ball and you know, of course they have Jorginho, so you know, they're going to boss the midfield. Yeah. <laughs> um but I think yeah, I it's funny how everybody thought Turkey were the dark horses, but I really slept on on Italy um, coming into the tournament. I really didn't think they had the galls to pull it off, but... Yeah. I mean, another team that impressed me was Hungary. Yeah. Um, I mean, they played good enough football on a stage like 
against France, you expect France to be able to pull away from that game incredibly quickly. Um, I mean, France were quite a big disappointment in this year's tournament. <laughs> but, I mean, in a game that's France versus Hungary, and then I'm um, blanking on who Hungary played in the last match. Germany. Or the match before that. Yeah, so, I mean, Hungary, while they didn't have the strongest showing, they were able to... Uh, they were able to impress me in a sense where they were able to keep things respectable. So in a in a in a group where they had pretty uh, pretty scuffed odds, they were able to to keep everything looking pretty well. Yeah, and I think that's also due to part where um, you know most of the, most of their games are played in Budapest, and um, when they're when they're allowing sixty thousand fans there, man, the scenes there were mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would have loved to go. I know one of my friends went to to Budapest. Um, Incredible. Yeah. Um, I think you know. I mean, we we kind of do need to talk about just like the reaction of. I, I think what's what's crazy is just, you know, the three the three um, the three players from England. The racism they they yeah. they received after. The game in and the final is, you know. At the end, at the end of the day, it, it's a point. It's it's sports. It's nothing that's that can't be like the success that you can get from winning the tournament can equally be the pain that you get, and the pain you could get can equally be the success that you get. So, something that's so trivial as as like a sporting event, the the hatred that these people have been forced to face, and these kids are no. I mean, they're like two years older than I am. Yeah, than I am. exactly. That's that's what that that's what I. That's what I. That's what I've been emphasizing is just the fact that they're kids, right? Saka's nineteen. He's a teenager. Imagine it's just the 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 pressure he and Rashford and Sancho feel must feel in front of seventy five thousand fans at Wembley is just you know. Yeah, and they know they know it's the, this is the biggest pen they'll they may ever take in their lives. And and going back, you know. Everybody claiming a Gareth Southgate, Southgate masterclass into that point is just yeah. Gareth Southgate bringing them on basically, you know, Boy, minutes added, left in, yeah. in in added time is such a silly mistake and expecting them, you know, having not touched the ball pretty much at all to take the the most most influential penalties of their careers is yeah. just small of him. I, I it's it's just you know yeah um, i will say like yes uh rashford's penalty was very poor but it's nothing that warrants the response that yeah. they, they got yeah like, i totally yeah, agree it was, a, it was a, i mean it was a pretty awful pen yeah but at the end of the day it's a sporting event there's nothing about this requires the abuse that this man Marcus Rashford's got, and he is someone who's an incredible, upstanding member. Of yeah, the, the 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 number of things he's done for his country and for the people around him, and you know, the giant society around him, he's really done so much. It's just there's no room for racism anymore, anywhere. Um, yeah, and, and this is just this is just highlighting how how this can still happen and how accountability should be a, a major factor because you know yeah. we need to hold people accountable for the racism. Yeah, most definitely. It's very sad to see that in this day and age, people are still still feel fine with uh, sending out this hate into the into the world just from the the comfort of their own bed, from their own hotel, right. from their own school. Right. Um, and I think, I think all three of them have come out with very um, heartfelt apologies, which yeah. I think you know even aren't really warranted considering you know yeah. the situation we've described. But I think they're very brave, and I think it's it's 
very strong of them to come out with these posts. All right, <laughs> we should move on to um, after that heavy, heavy subject. Um, we should go on to basically, I think, you know, what what we think of the Premier League for this coming up season. So obviously, who is it? Brentford, Watford, and Norwich have all yeah. been promoted. Um, Sheffield, Fulham, and um, West Brom have been relegated. Left field for Fulham, man. Like yeah, <laughs> Fulham. Up and down. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised if uh, actually, Billy Gil Billy Gilmore, who was recently loaned out to Norwich City, I think could be a major asset. I think yeah. what's what's really cool about Billy is he he really just. You know, he really wasn't given much playing time during Chelsea, but when he played, yeah. he always had a great impact. And I think he always puts his his best out on the field. Um, and I think Norwich is really going to have a great asset in him as he's just, you know, I think he's he's got more shooting, but I think he's really becoming more of like a Conte-esque player. Yeah. And he's, he's yeah. a really good DM. I don't know. What do you think of him, Ellis? I mean, you see Billy Gilmore burst onto the scene in the Champions League against Liverpool, and you're saying, wow, I mean, this kid has something special I can see and turn into a, an incredible first-team player for years to come. And I think that with more development uh, on when he returns, I think that Billy Gilmore will be a part of Tuchel's plans as someone who you can use alongside Conte. You can use anywhere on the field, and he'll be influential to every part of the game. So I think that maybe his attacking play could use a little bit more work. Um, but I feel like once he becomes a little bit more of a well-rounded player, he'll, uh, he'll be very influential to Chelsea's success moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, even in the Euros, he played really well for Scotland. I think he may got the man of the match against England when they pulled that nil-nil draw, which was, like, you know, you really don't expect that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there's also Ruben Loftus-Cheek and uh, Connor Gallagher, um, West, um, sorry, uh, Connor Gallagher coming from West Brom. Who he seems like a really nice, uh, promising player. I looked into him. Um, obviously, he didn't have too impressive stats, considering you know he's playing for West Brom. Um, <laughs> he didn't play against us, obviously, in the uh, five-two loss. But um, we also have Ruben Loftus Cheek coming from Fulham. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think Tuchel's Tuchel's reportedly said that he's gonna give Loftus Cheek a chance. Yeah. But I mean, his, yeah. his his best season was his uh, I believe his eighteen nineteen season. Under Sarri, I believe. He Under Sarri, yeah, yeah, he had a really good season when we won the Europa League. Um, but as of right now, I I, I feel it's it's very hard, um, coming back from alone considering just the squad depth we already have, and just how 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 much our players have elevated since the beginning of last season. And in that way, I find it really, really tricky for um, for Loftus-Cheek to find his way back into the squad, to be honest with you. Yeah, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek is someone who the fans uh, picked on to, and everyone seems to like him. And it's really unfortunate that he uh, he suffers a, a, an Achilles injury in a match that has no real importance to a Chelsea season going forward. It's in the United States in a charity match. And ever since that injury, he hasn't quite been the same player. Um, yeah, I think it was, think, yeah. Um, we also have Danny Drinkwater coming back, <laughs> the man who asked asked us to make a highlight reel for him. 
I don't see a situation where he sees the field as a first team player for Chelsea. Nor a reserve. I hate to say it. Yeah. I, I think they're going to try and offload him um, sooner than later. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, his, his career has really gone down the drain. Yeah. I, he was a really promising mm-hmm. player um, coming from the Ooh, Leicester last, squad yeah. with um, Conte. Like Mares and all those fellows. Um, Is it the last year that you tried to fight a sixteen-year-old? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a Chelsea versus Leicester U twenty three game, and some sixteen-year-old kid comes in for a tackle, and he like kicked at him and like started a brawl with a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> That's mad. <laughs> oh my! All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, as of so. You know, I have a soft spot in my heart ever since I started watching the cycling GK. So I, oh, yeah. I, I hope I hope Watford stay out because you love to see the. I would I I can't wait to see yeah, the Premier League. Um, yes. Benny yeah Benny falls. Um, I think I think Norwich will be maybe relegated, but I I do think Gilmore has it in him to keep the team up. I think in that way, as we've seen. You know, yeah. we we can see that he really can hold the core of a team together well, and I think with I such a with with such a you know, you know I'm not gonna say Norwich are bad. They've obviously been promoted, but I think you know with a weaker team compared to a team like you know Manchester City, I think Billy yeah. Gilmore really can you know improve his game, and I think he could easily come back. Um, I think his loan is for one year. Yeah, I believe so. If he can easily come back in one year and and be you know a first team player if he really really elevates his game i think yeah i mean i think we're gonna learn a lot about we're gonna learn a lot about billy gilmore and his makeup as a player this year but he's gonna be in a situation where he has a lot more pressure on him where he's gonna need to be a very influential player in norwich season if they want to have any sort of success this year domestically yeah so uh we're gonna it'll be it'll be it'll be hard for him and he's gonna he hasn't really been in this situation on the highest flight of football in his career yet. So we're going to learn a lot about like what his potential can be and like what he could bring to a, a team uh, yeah. this year, despite being in play for Norwich. Yeah. And I'm happy he's getting the playing time too. I think it's, I think it's finally fair that he's getting the playing time, which he's kind of, you know, he's kind of been robbed of these, yeah. these past years. And speaking of people being robbed of playing time, I feel like Kurt Zuma. Uh, Kurt Zuma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know he, he's not the most fleet, uh, like the most light player on his feet. I mean, he was prone to a few mistakes, but I mean, I'll take Zuma in the air going for a, for a 50-50 ball over most people on our team. I mean, that guy, not only would he come up with some of these incredible tackles late in games, but he was a menace in the air. Um, yeah, five goals. Yeah, five goals. Under Lampard, he showed that he has the talent to become a world-class uh, center back. And um, with given more playing time, and I think that if he knew that even Tugel had faith in him to like bring him in, even without, or even with the potential that he could make a mistake, that we'd see Zuma blossom into a world-class talent. And I think that uh, without that, I'm not sure where his career and his Chelsea career stand, but I feel like it'd be a mistake to let him go. Yeah. And as much as I hate the loan system we have, I feel like he he really needs to become a better ball playing, um, yeah, center back. I think 
looking back especially under Tuchel you know obviously when you're not getting playing time you lose your confidence and I think I, I was you know you could really see that in um, our Premier League game against um, Man City yeah. he, he didn't look too confident um, and while you know an aerial threat is incredible right it's not like you can really become an aerial threat out of thin air I think if if if, if we loaned him out to a team like Roma for example where under you know Mourinho re is really fond of him um, I yeah. believe Mourinho is the one who signed him from um, Marseille I believe it was no it was not Marseille it was um, I forget exactly but he signed him from Ligue 1 and he saw the potential in him and I think loaning him out to a team like Roma in the Serie A where you know um, the whole style of play is more I believe it's more possession possession based and you know it's a lot more fluid there i think it'd be yeah. you know it would make zuma a, a better rounded player coming back yeah i believe i did see a piece of news earlier today that was mentioned uh chelsea learning zuma to roma and yeah. it said that they weren't as interested in that but they'd be interested in uh selling him for 30 million pounds and yeah. I, I think that's a i think that'd be a massive mistake i really uh I think that Zuma has the chance to be and is a world-class player under there, but he just needs a little bit more refining before he can be a key part in the Chelsea squad. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 26. Um, and I think going into... Oops, pardon me. <laughs> going into age. <laughs> um, you know, he's still not reached his prime. And I think you're, you're right in the sense that I think it's kind of premature to sell him. And I think he's worth more than 30 million, to be honest with you. Um, I think we should also talk about Rudiger and, you know, the rest of the, the center center backs. Um, yes. Thiago signed a year extension. Yeah. And I mean, Thiago Silva anchored this club. Yeah. I mean, I think that his leadership can also be in part attributed to Chelsea winning the Champions League just because of the way that he was able to like be like a steady force in the back and just to bring a veteran experience that, that even the fans won't know about but like, the players can attest to um just like knowing someone that that's been to all these places before he's been on the biggest stages and he knows he knows the way to go about things and i think that people who don't have that experience have the chance to play past what they know what they can do and that's when you start to see people start to make uh, more and more important mistakes I think that Zuma was like a steady, or not Zuma, excuse me, Silva was a steadying force in this Chelsea squad. Yeah, and I think you can kind of see from all the videos that he was kind of the father figure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he really brings that, that winning mentality, right? He's won so many titles, and I think especially he had a tenacity within himself, right? Uh, yeah. PSG went to, got to the finals for the 1920 season, and, you know, they lost in the finals. So I think, especially in the Champions League run, as soon as, you know, there was really a chance of winning it in sight. You know, yeah. he really wanted to, you know, ramp up yeah, the team. Like, oh, yeah. And you could see it in the rest of the team. The rest of the team really wanted it too. And you could see the emotion, the passion when we won it. You know, it was all there. It was it was all there. Oh, God, voice crack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what I'm worried about, though, is you could see that Silva was battling um, injuries this pre yeah. previous season and he's not getting younger i think oh. i think you know i think there are more in sight 
but yeah. I think as you said he's the anchor of the team and even maybe him just being in the locker room does matter so yeah. I think it's it's it was a good move to assign a one-year extension yeah, and then going on to Rudiger, I know there were uh, like stories of him like getting into like a fight on the training ground, and people were calling for him to be transferred immediately. Um, I mean, what an important player Rudiger turned out to be for Chelsea's Champions League run. Incredible. And from from being like on the verge of just being gone and sent off just for like getting in a fisticuffs with like Kepa's. Yeah. Um, um. I mean, he really was able to turn into. What I believe is a world-class center back, and he was so important for this Chelsea team um, on the stretch, um, making big tackles, keeping people out of important areas. And he was he was incredible for the uh, the better half of the season. Yeah, I think you you do you described him perfectly. I think especially you know he was linked to Tottenham at the beginning of the season. You know <laughs> under Frank Lampard, he he wasn't really given given any time and i think it really just goes to show how how influential getting the playing time is and you could really see you you could tell that he knew that tuchel trusted him and yeah. and and he was so solid i i swear i i didn't really think there was a time he was gonna slip up and you know as soon as the mask came on and he became batman you know the shit house <laughs> just escalated i think yeah, he, he just yeah. played such a I mental game yeah. He completely pocketed um, the entire Atletico team. <laughs> he he really just did him dirty, and I think you know it's funny to see that character, but the character works in the way that you know he was very solid. And I mean, it's funny like once the mask came on, he turned into a completely different guy. Yeah, but you see, you see him it's like getting a little bit more aggressive. I mean, got a little bit out of control. Did he, didn't he just bite someone in the Euros? But uh... <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, um yeah was a, he was a force to be reckoned with um yeah i think Aspilicueta, um while while very influential maybe not as influential as tiago silva but i think he's the rock in the team and you know it you you see how loyal he is and just by being that loyal you can tell that he's a true chelsea player yeah, he I mean, came in you... sorry go ahead but overall, just having like veteran presence on your team is necessary important in every sport. Yeah. Um, having someone who's like been to this spot, they've done it before. It's um, it's really important to um, to the team's makeup because it can hold them together. Um, because so you're a younger player, you're a younger team. I mean, who knows? You guys may get into some internal conflicts. And people who are older, they've been there before, and they've done all the stuff, and they've been in all these situations, are incredibly important. Just like keeping teams together and keeping them all unified and going to the same goal instead of like becoming more independent. Yeah. Yeah, I really admire Espilicueta. I'm yeah. <laughs> uh Andreas Christensen, another player who too I felt was really solid um under uh under Tuchel. Um he's quite young, I believe. I believe I don't know how long how old he is. Hold on. I can try. He is 25. 25. So he's also not in his prime yet. And I think he, he really stepped up his game under Tuchel. I yeah. think there's a lot of potential. But I still think we need... We need... We, I, think we, I think we need just a solid... Oh, shoot. And I even forgot about Reese James. Reese James. Oh, yeah. Powerful, young, fast. Reese James is... I mean... 
he's young too. He's he's definitely the future of our Chelsea back back half. Yeah. Well, you just look at like some of the things he's done, like that goal against Brighton early in the season. I mean, <laughs> incredible. I mean, that, was, that was incredible. Yeah. And even in the Champions League final, just had he pocketed he pocketed Sterling completely. Sterling did not have the light of day. <laughs> And so I think, yeah, he's going to be very influential in our team as we continue um, developing our entire squad. Granted, this was supposed to be the first year of our development, right? We signed players like Havertz, Ziyech, uh, Werner, all to, uh, you know, in the hopes of improving them and, you know, winning a title later. But in that, in that, in that, 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 yeah, we we started off with a bang to say the least. (laughs) Yep. I think the best way you can imagine starting a development yeah. uh, would be from the Champions League. So, um, yeah. and I think we're only going up. Uh, Havertz had an incredible Euros. Um, yeah. I forget. Hold on, I'll check. Um, but he... Havertz, it's incredible to see how that goal in the Champions League changed him. Yeah, it's like, it's like out of nowhere. He, like he suddenly got his confidence back, and he was he was a menace in the um, in the Euros. And it, there was there was controversy. Um, coming into the game whether or not to start Pulisic over Havertz and Tuchel obviously made the right decision um I think he had an incredible tournament in the Euros um he I I forget I'll check how many goals he scored but it was clear that it's just he's so skillful he does it so like effortlessly it's like as if it means nothing to him pretty much and he just does it so casually it's really just I'm so happy he's a Chelsea player yeah, and I think that we saw what an informed Havertz can do in the Euros, and being into that point in the um, into that point in the Premier League season is something uh, that would be incredible for this Chelsea team. Yeah, and Jorginho, obviously, <laughs> I think you know he had a really good run. People are saying. <laughs> that he should be in contention for the Ballon d'Or, considering his um, his his awards. But um, I think he's very good. I think he he he's contention to be the player uh, of the tournament in the Euros. But I I I'm I'm really happy that he's in this form right now, as I think it will carry on into the Premier League. Yeah, I mean Jorginho. I mean he's just been another one of those people who seems to steady this team. Um, I mean, speaking of standing things, he, he gives me a heart attack every time he takes a penalty with that whole jump thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, <laughs> no, but he, he's someone who, who's in the squad day in and day out, and he helps stabilize the team for a lot of the younger players. Yeah, he so sets the... Yeah, he, he, really, he really just, you know, he kind of gives you an assignment throughout the game, and, you know, he's, he's just the general heartbeat. You know, he controls, he's kind of like the CPU, I guess, if you could say, of the team. (laughs) Um, Who else? Mason Mount. Um, I think his his Euros were, you know, they were good. Um, Obviously, he had the COVID situation, which was, I think, just complete BS. (laughs) Like, why (laughs) he and not the entire Scottish team, but... um, Yeah, very interesting, but... um, Yeah, I mean, Mason Mount has the chance to be the next Frank Lampard. But like the way that this kid can get the fan base behind him 
special and you, there's there aren't many people like that in football yeah and i think that if he's able to, to stay on this trajectory he has a chance to be one of the best players in europe he has, the best, he has a chance to be the face of chelsea for years going forward yeah I think and he's also he's young it's incredible yeah. and you love to see it you honestly love to see it <laughs> um what about hakim ziek what do you think of um hakim uh i mean ziek is interesting because everyone knows what he can do what he can, what he can bring to his side but i don't think that we saw the best of ziek um in his year um i think that there were times where he would do, he'd just pull out like a bit, of, a bit of magic and he'd be like, where did that come from? We haven't seen that in like three weeks. Yeah. Um, and I think just keeping him informed and seeing more and more regular good play is um is really critical for Ziyech going forward in the Premier League. Yeah, I think he, he himself said it was hard coming in, especially because um the, the Dutch league had been cut off earlier. So... He had kind of been sitting at home for a while doing nothing and so obviously i think he he really does have that magic but i keep thinking more and more it's just like it's really he's a really particular player i think you know his his style of play kind of doesn't seem to fit in he seems yeah. more of just like a possession based player rather yeah. than a counter-attacking. He's got the speed, but I think, you know, how Tuchel plans to fit him in will be tricky. I think Tuchel can do it. Um, but I've been heard he, there were links to like him and AC Milan. Yeah. Um, I think the thing behind that was Chelsea were trying to clear out funds for a potential move for Holland. Yeah, should we, uh, should we talk about Holland? Yeah, let's dive into it. All right. Yeah. Um, if Chelsea can secure a move for Holland, I'm going to say that they are favorites to win the Premier League. Yeah, I think he... You know, he's he's kind of... I was looking at his statistics, and even, um, and even for RB Salzburg, he was playing incredibly in the Europa League, and he just bags goals like it's nothing. He's, he's a clinical finisher, and I think as of right now, he's the most promising young talent. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, especially when you come from the Bundesliga, as you can see with Timo Werner or Kai Havertz, there's there's an increased physicality in the Premier League. That's what a lot of people say. And I think, granted, it's it's always good to give give a player a year or so to adjust to the new league. But I think with a player like Holland, who's just so powerful, I don't even think he'll need that that extra year. I really think yeah, he's yeah. he's he's just such an incredible player. And he fits Tuchel's plan exactly, right? Borussia Dortmund were also a counter-attacking team. Um, and he, he's, he's really good at playing the ball off of other players, you know, which I think he'll get really good passes considering our midfield. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if you look at Chelsea this year, the amount of chances that they created and just flubbed at the end, it's astronomical. Yeah. Well, having someone who, I mean, I think everyone thought Wolf Timo would be like millions times more clinical in front of goal. Right. But having someone who will bag in half of those chances created, um, tanks his team from fourth and possibly higher in the Premier League table. Yeah, I really, I really want to finish um first. I think as any yeah. Chelsea fan would, and I think yeah. you're right. 
Um, that's a really good point with the chances created. I think we were the least, one of the least clinical teams in the Premier League with chances created. Um, I forget the exact statistic, but um, yeah, I think also, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think we really have a title chance if if he really comes and maintains his same confidence. I think he has a lot of confidence um, coming into the Premier League. And if we sign him, you know, it's going to be really tricky. I think, you know, I think Borussia Dortmund honestly should sell them, sell um, Holland. I think combined with the Sancho fee, um, they could have upwards of like 250 million um, yeah, you with that. euros. Um, and I think in that way, they could create an entire new team or, you know, fortify their team. And I think they could perform probably better if they were to keep Holland. Um, yeah. Just going back to the point you made about the Premier League being a much more physical league, I mean, you think you see Timo Renner struggle with contact of the bigger players because he was typically just able to get past people, but in the Premier League, you see people are just faster and stronger, it's a step beyond most of the leagues. But if you look at a player like Erling Holland, I mean, kid's six foot four and 194 pounds. So, I mean, he is a super sized human being. So, thank you, yeah. David. Fun by himself. Yeah, and I think in that way, he's really just one of a kind. And I think that's why he's so highly rated and valued. It's just because he's so, he just brings so many facets into his game and it just really works well. You know, everybody calls him a robot for a reason. And, you know, he can, he's, he's how old? 22? He, he uh, really can, um, you know, he's, he, he's such a young player and he can only go up. He's yeah, only 20. 20 years old that's incredible yeah, yeah it, it's um what he's doing is special and uh, i think that if chelsea can bring in the talent like this and it uh, seems like he's willing there were there were reports of him being in england and missing out on on the first like uh dortmund training uh that was a few days ago no yeah so we'll see i i was i think he's back in uh dortmund as i saw his story but um that this is his agent Raiola is his name right yeah what 40 million pounds for this deal yeah i'm not sure exactly how i heard about that too and i'm not exactly sure how how like reliable that is but that's just that's absurd that is absurd and if that were to, if that were to be the condition i i personally wouldn't want that because that just seems ridiculous you can get a couple nice players for that much so yeah yeah speaking of what do you think of uh tammy tammy abraham no i struggle i mean tammy abraham has, has shown flashes of brilliance and he's also shown flashes of you know willingness it's like he doesn't get himself in the best positions at times and i think the reason timo saw so much of the field is that even when he wasn't scoring the positions that he was getting the ball in and creating it was like well eventually he has to score some so we're just going to keep putting him out there and he's just going to get into these spots and eventually score yeah and tammy was like go just appear some places and he'll be right in front of goal and they'll bag the two in a match and you're like oh that's incredible yeah yeah, um, yeah. i think you have a yeah um uh, go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say like i'm not sure where his spot is with the team because um how I don't think he really creates as many chances as the team would like him to as compared to a team of Werner or probably Erling Holland if he were to come to the team. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think as 
as you said, Tammy has shown signs of brilliance, but he doesn't fit under Tuchel's system. Tuchel's system, as we said, is very counter-attacking. And yeah. Tammy, you know, Tammy is fast. I think, you know, he's fast, but playing as like the target man, he's, he's very much like a target man, which I think, in my opinion, is, is just like increasingly outdated. I really yeah. don't like target men strikers like Giroud. <laughs> I mean, I know you like Giroud a lot, but... Yeah, I, I was a big Giroud fan. I yeah, mean... yeah. But I, I think, you know, I really like the system we have now. And I just, you know, as you've seen, he just really hasn't come in under Tuchel. Because it just doesn't really work in the system. And I think if we can offload Tammy for, like, 40 million um, yeah. to a team like Leicester. I heard he was linked to Leicester. Maybe, like, um, West Ham. Something along those lines. I think... Um, yeah, I, I think that would be a good idea. And I, it just, it, I honestly also hate just, you know, when players don't get played who've played in the past a lot, you know, you really want to see them thrive in a, in a condition in which they can. And I don't think you'll be able to thrive under Tuchel. So yeah. I say, you know, uh, off photo. I'm not sure if you've just seen this. I've gotten a report just now that Antoine Griezmann's in mind for a return to Atletico Madrid. Yeah, First, in, in exchange for yeah. Saul, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to see Griezmann as his as his old Atletico self. I, I think, you know, I think he, he was a really special player. And that's why he was bought for, what, some $120 million from from Barca. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Barca's going to pay, what, $40 million extra than actually, you know, they should. But, um, but um, yeah. I, Saul was linked with uh, Chelsea for a while. Um, and yeah, I think they're, if the deal isn't finalized, I think they're still, you know, waiting to see if the, if the transfer talks break down between Barcelona and, and Atleti, then, you know, I think they'll kind of try and swoop in. Um, yeah, I'm not expressing how much I'm, how much I'm waiting to see here we go with Holland and Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> I think though we do, I don't know, I, I, I feel, you know, Varane, Varane, sorry. <laughs> I think I think we we could really use with an extra center back. I think it's 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 hard to you know fully count on Thiago Silva being with us the entire season, and it's it's hard to imagine also you know Andreas Christensen also picked up an injury at one point. I think yeah. if we offload Zuma in the end or loan him out or you know whatever the situation might be, we really need to sign a top top center back with the experience playing. You know, Varane has played Champions League pretty much his entire career at Real Madrid, right? He's had that experience always playing at the top level. He's also not that old, too. And I think he could really bring the experience. I think we were also linked to uh, Niklas Sula from Bayern. Um, physical player. Um, but, um, yeah, we really need to sign, we really need to sign a, a high-profile player for our center, center uh, back half. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, maybe, yeah, uh, okay, sorry, go ahead. I don't know if you'd want to move on. Uh, time, I don't want to get way too early prediction for, uh, yeah. The World Cup. yeah. I was about to say that too. I believe, well, we're both from the United States, so obviously we're rooting for our home nation. Um, Pulisic, I think ever since the, uh, you know how how Chelsea's been playing. He's really gained a lot of confidence, and you know we won the what was it the Concaf? What was it called? Oh yeah, the Nations League. Nations League. Huh. 
think. Nations yeah. League. Yeah. Um, so you love to see that. Um, as of you know, as of right now, I still think France are very good. Pogba had an incredible goal. Like <laughs> that was, yeah. I think that was that was amazing. Yeah, um, I mean, I, with, once Pogba hit that ball, I think everyone knew it was going in. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's, that, was, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's like the classic long shot that Pogba always delivers somehow. Um, I think you know, although although the group of death really did seem deadly, and you know everybody died within the group of death. I think France. I think you know, France are always going to be favorites. I think you know when it comes down to a penalty shootout, it really can go either way. Um, and it obviously went to the way of the the Swiss. But I think France has a really good chance. Italy, my God, they 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 just you know they just gain more confidence and play better. So, um, who else? Um, no, I mean Scotland is always interesting. Just I'm just interested to see how they do. Just given the reaction they had um, once they uh, realized that England were gonna make it kind of far in the, in the Euros. <laughs> And uh, Scotland are interesting to me. And then, I mean, really, the United States, I feel like, have the chance to make a run. We could. Um, we, our talent is developing. Um, yeah. I think, you know, we're always trying to grab onto anything to make a claim. But I really do think the fact our team is in a much better position than it's ever been, right? We have more players playing at top European teams than ever. Um, yeah. And, you know. You have Weston McKinney. I mean, those are. Yeah, Weston McKinney. Um, Christian Pulisic, um, Gio Reyna, he's also really good. I like him a lot. Um, and you know, it's, I think, you know, there's just a better interest within the United States. You can feel it, right? Like the better your team is doing and, you know, there's just, I think a general consensus that everybody's more interested in football. So, you know, I think in that way, it really depends right on how the youth how how interested the youth is right because the more interested the youth is the more players oh my god <laughs> oh my god the, the more <laughs> god okay i'm just gonna stop talking uh, although i will say it'll be very interesting to see the way that they are able to hold up against uh, uh nations that are favored over them so like like i'd be very interested to see how uh the united states would fare in a match against england yeah as underdogs and just to like see like we'll be able to see from that like where this team is and like, where we can expect them to go with the next few years yeah i completely agree um yeah um should we uh end it there i mean we uh, we, yeah. we have more to talk about but i think we can <laughs> save it for the next week's episode we can save the Arsenal banter for a bit. Yeah. yeah, 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 we can. And I think it's gonna. I I can't wait for the Premier League to start. Honestly, I think everybody's just gotten better. Um, and I think there's there's definitely gonna be more transfers going on, and we can talk about those. Um, and you know, general news. But I think we got a general. What do we we talked about today? Our our last year season, the beginning of this year season. Uh, yeah, like transfer potential, uh, like a little fun, like, way too early prediction thing. And then, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think we can end it there then. Um, awesome. Yeah. 
thank you guys for listening. Um, yeah, cool. Ellis yeah, and I, you know, we'll keep talking about it as long as, you know, we, uh, yeah, I think we'll probably just keep talking about it because I think, you know, it's fun to <laughs> offload all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, if it's happening every day, it would be really fun to have someone who's uh, really interested in the same stuff talking about it. So, yeah, obviously, I think we dive off each other. So, it's just going to be fun to keep making more of these. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Just got something from ESPN that's Chelsea prepared to offer 100 million in Tammy Abraham to Dortmund in exchange for Holland. Really? This just came out? It just came on my phone like a second ago. So we we can about we can we can consider Tammy as um I mean, 50, he's, 45 he's young right according to the transfer market you know the uh, you know transfer market official you know I think it's pretty reliable in terms of evaluations they value Holland at 130 and I believe Tammy's marketed somewhere between 30 and 40 million. So a hundred plus, you know, Tammy is a reasonable and it's, I think Tammy is relatively the same age. He's also young. So I think it's a pretty fair situation to give them a player in return. So it's not just robbing them of a striker completely. Yeah. So on transfer market has Tammy's market value as 41.8 million. Okay. And Holland. They have Holland at 143. So it's relatively, yeah. It's relatively true that. Yeah, but I mean, if I came back to my team and I was like, yeah, we lost Holland, but we got Tammy Abraham, the fans would be pissed. But we'd also have 180 million pocketed from Sancho and Holland. So that's a big signing within itself there or multiple signings that are big. That's that's crazy. And we'll talk about it more. Obviously, within this next week, I guarantee there will be more news. I wouldn't be surprised if Holland... uh, you know, obviously you start your bidding low and you're usually willing to go higher. So I think that's what they'll probably do. But we will catch you guys yeah, next week. What's that? It's annoying Roman. I feel like he may just go big or go home and just like bring in like a, a large offer just to start. Maybe. And we have our, um, I forget her name, Mia something. But oh, yay. <laughs> our, our, she's, she's very good. I think you can really see it in the previous years how she's finagled more money and um bot players for less money all right but we'll see you guys next week um i've been ellis and i've been luca (laughs) um god (laughs) (laughs) nah nah we'll leave it in we'll leave it in um and we'll see you guys next week peace see you guys bye